Hi, and welcome to The Rock Podcast. The Bible says that some conversations are not worth having, and that debating with divisive people who just want to air their foolish opinions that contradict the teaching of the gospel is just not worth it. Here now is Pastor Ross with a message from 2 Timothy chapter 2 entitled, Don't Get Entangled. Alrighty, let's get started. Welcome you back to your seats. Grab your Bibles. Make your way to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2. We left off in the middle of uh, the chapter. We're going to pick up at verse 14. You can put your finger there. We'll eventually get there. Not before we ask the Lord for his help. Amen. So let's do that. Now, Heavenly Father, we just open our hearts to you. We want to combine what we're hearing with faith so that we will be blessed by it and benefited by it. We don't just want to know it and hear it and even love it. We want to practice it. We want it to become a part of who we are and how we live and how we think. Because that's why you sent the word to us, to save us, to bless us, to heal us. So help us to hear what your spirit is saying and then put it into practice, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I like to listen to talk radio while I'm driving in my car. And once in a while, the subject inevitably will drift into faith and religion and spiritual matters. And often the host baits the hook, as it were, with a provocative statement or spiritual controversy. You know, he wants to light up the board, right? He wants to take those callers. He'll say... What does happen when you die? What's up with the death penalty? Can faith and science coexist? You know what's wrong with the world today? It's all about religion. Religion's the problem, I tell you. And then, boom, the war of words begins. (laughs) And inevitably, a well-meaning good-intentioned Christians will call in, or should I say get roped in, and systematically spliced and diced by the host who has all the power, (laughs) and then skewered through by the callers who follow, which of course was the whole point. Now, what's most troubling really is that the issue inevitably degenerates to become off point. So the whole argument is uh, askew, and uh, you're caught up in a quagmire of nonsense, you know? Useless bantering back and forth, and how quickly these kinds of discussions degenerate in substance and in tone. Unprofitable for the listeners and unbecoming of the speakers, and in the end, more harm than good was accomplished. Now, there are some conversations that would be best avoided, and that's the theme of this morning's text, 2 Timothy chapter 2. And it's an overarching exhortation of the 
pastoral epistles as we're about to see. So let's pick up in verse 14. Keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It's no value. It only ruins those who listen. And you do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. All right, we're going to pause there. That's our text for this morning. We're going to take a look at this text. Uh, Now Paul has been encouraging Timothy in personal ways, but now he's moving to encourage him as a Christian leader whose biggest battle really was the presence of these false teachers and their uh, foolish arguments, as the text calls them. Uh, uh, They are the Ephesian opponents, and their divisive, heretical ideas are doing a lot of damage, and rather surprising that the Holy Spirit's advice to all of us Timothys and Timotheas is to... Avoid them, not preach to them, not engage them, not talk to them, but to disengage. And so we're going to take a look at a message now that I'm going to entitle, Do Not Get Entangled. Do Not Get Entangled. It's fairly important uh, because the pastoral epistles, as I've said, pastoral epistles just means letters written to two pastors, Titus and Timothy. First uh, Timothy 1. Second, uh, first Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus. And throughout those three letters, they're replete with this kind of Holy Spirit warning to sidestep certain false teachers and certain conversations. Take a look at this. It's pretty amazing. And this is not all of them. They all are saying the same thing. Some have wandered away from these sound doctrines and turn to meaningless talk. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge. You see, it masquerades as knowledge, but when in fact God says it's godless chatter. Uh, Thirdly, warn them before God against quarreling about words. It's no value. It only ruins those who listen. Avoid godless chatter. Because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. That's a good one. (laughs) But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law means the Old Testament. Because these are unprofitable and useless. You see a pattern here? Apparently, the Holy Spirit, who is the author of the scriptures, thinks it's very necessary to warn us to use discernment when we are defending the gospel, that we are not called to debates that turn out to be 
unprofitable and useless. With that said, and and let us look at this to to feel the weight and the gravity of the Holy Spirit's warnings, uh, we need to know what constitutes a meaningless talk or godless chatter that masquerades itself as knowledge. Uh, What what constitutes a foolish and stupid argument? I mean, what's, what's a foolish controversy? I mean, we do a lot of talking in a day's time. I mean, I got to know for sure if the Holy Spirit is saying, avoid it, avoid it, avoid it, don't have anything to do with it. I got to know, is this the conversation that I'm supposed to step back? Or is this the conversation I'm supposed to defend? How how am I going to know the difference? Well, I'm glad you're asking that. (laughs) That's my job to help us with that. I was at the Apple store. Thank you for that. That's fine. I don't have a problem with my phone. I was at the Genius Bar. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody came up to me, saw me, old friend of mine. Pastor Ross, hey, how you been? How the wife, how the kids? We did all the small talk. And then a look, a look of horror. That's the way to describe it. He said to me, what is up with X and Y? Two people. What, what happened? What, what's going on? Don't they know how, how, how much trouble they're causing? I said, I don't know. He said, I messaged them and said, you guys, you're causing division. You're upsetting people. You're hurting people. What are you doing? And I kind of did that half smile, sad, frown together thing, like, and just went, did it help? No, it didn't help at all. Um, did it stop? No. Did they have something to say back to you? Was it favorable? No. No, not at all. No. Um, okay, I've got some advice for you. Avoid them. That's not very Christian. Put put the slide back on. (laughs) Put the slide back on. Uh, The Holy Spirit thinks it's the right thing to do. Well, how am I ever going to know what a foolish controversy really is? I asked the men. I said, and how are you feeling? Because you look really shook up because I am broken hearted. That was the worst part for me. Let me define a foolish controversy or meaningless talk or a stupid argument. When there's nothing to be gained, when there's no benefit for either party. I think Titus 3.9, which was the last scripture on there, sorry, playing, you know, musical slides. (laughs) Unprofitable and useless. When those two words describe the interaction, then you know that you've come up with something called meaningless talk or godless chatter or a host of other ways to describe it. Uh, Here's John Calvin from the 1500s on foolish talk. Let us notice first that teaching is rightly condemned on the sole ground that it does no good. God's purpose is not to pander to our inquisitiveness, but to give us profitable instruction. 
away with all speculation that produces no godly edification. John Calvin, 1540. (laughs) That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, here's the slide that we're dealing with, and we're going to walk through the paragraph and just kind of ring it out for all kinds of valuable insights. And so verses 14, 16, and I threw in 23. Uh, That slide for us will just refresh our memory. (laughs) That was called hieroglyphics. (laughs) Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It's no value. It only ruins people. So uh, avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. So nothing good comes of it. Well, really, how do we discern what's what? Well, I would say there are two considerations to take into uh, account. Uh, Number one, the character of the person uh, that you're dealing with. Are they reasonable? Are they open? Are they confused sincerely and and want your input? Are they coming to you for help? Uh, When you look into the window of their souls, is there a sign that says open or closed? Or be back in 15 minutes gone fishing or whatever, right? I think that's the point there. Are they seeking the truth or are they crusading a new version of it. Now, I can't speak for X and Y, but I can uh, say that Philetus and Hymenaeus had no place for orthodoxy. There was no, no desire to find truth. They were just interested in disseminating theirs. That's all. I, I mean, here's what the Holy Spirit says, and I'll quote the Bible. They have wandered away from the truth. That's God's assessment. And then we would say that they, and they don't want to be found. They don't want to find their way back. They've wandered away. They like where they're at. They don't want to come back. So there's no sense in telling a person who doesn't want to come back, come back, after you've already initially told them, please come back, right? When they keep on walking, they keep on walking. That's the idea there. Uh, Men who are, quote, and now I'm quoting God's description of these guys, robbed of the truth. They've been robbed of the truth and they don't want to get the valuables back. They don't consider it valuable. It's been taken from them and they don't see the same, uh, they don't see it in the same way. Uh, One commentator put it this way. These men are not in the right place to appreciate and receive truth. And as such, we must recall Jesus' teaching. When you cast pearls before someone who is eating up garbage... Not only do the pearls get abused and trampled underfoot, but then they turn and tear you to pieces, to quote Jesus. We're called to protect the gospel from that kind of wrangling. Now, to give it air time, if you already know it's going to be contorted and, and spat upon and disrespected, why, why give air to it? Why, why put it out there on the airwaves so that people can use it to abuse it? Jesus said that those are pearls. Be careful with those pearls. They're sacred. They're valuable. You don't just toss them around to people who don't appreciate fine jewelry in that case, Right? And all the women said, what? (laughs) 
don't get entangled or you'll get mangled. What do you think about that? First service liked it better than you did. <laughs> Just so you know. The timing was a little bit off here, to, to be honest. All right, discernment issues here. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. Don't answer a fool according to his folly, or you're going to be just like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he'll be wise in his own eyes. Am I the only one who has ever read that and gone, what? What are you telling me to do? (laughs) Don't do it. Are you going to act? You're going to reduce yourself, put yourself on the same level. You're going to end up being like him. Hey, do it. Answer him. Correct him. Because he'll be wise in his own eyes. It all depends. And that's why we have a living relationship with God and not a religion. We have a person called the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. He tells us, hey, this is the time where this guy's got temporary fooliness, all right? <laughs> and, and, and you need to help him, all right? And, and he will listen to you. So you know how you know that you did the right thing by the outcome. That's how you learn. You learn by the outcome. Was it edifying? Did it produce some change? Was it helpful? Then you answered a fool according to his folly so that he wouldn't be wise in his own eyes. But if things go crazy and they don't work and it's just a mess, then you know you've done the wrong thing. Best leave these guys alone. Uh, Pray for them. Uh, But whatever you do, Timothy, don't get entangled. Romans 16, 17, then we'll move on to the second consideration. The most neglected and overlooked scripture in the Bible. I urge you, brothers and sisters, watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching the gospel message that you have learned. If it's contrary to the teaching you have heard and you're watching out and there are divisions and obstacles and trouble and pain and confusion, keep away from them. Not very Christian? Yes, it is. (laughs) It's very Christian. It's called being safe and obedient to God. Because he, 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 God wants us to do productive things. He wants us to be using our time as, as good stewards and not wasting our time and, and seeing things get worse and worse. Now, the second consideration of whether or not this is a conversation I should be having. Uh, first was the character of the person. The second is uh, uh, consideration of the content or the matter of the, the said conversation. Now, I have a slide that kind of lists the way that the Holy Spirit calls this dribble. Godless myths, endless genealogies, old wives' tales, foolish controversies, word wars. The word in your text there, the word in your text to argue about words is one Greek word that means, that has word and war put together. And, and what that means is, is that they would take a word and say, that's not really what it means. It means this. And everybody would say, well, that's the word, and we all know what the word means. But no, this is what it really means, and this is what Paul really meant. 
Uh, that's the word wars back and forth. So this is what we are to consider and, and evaluate in the conversation. Is it one of these? And if it's really nonsense, then we're not to go too deep, to get too deeply involved in it. Um, a stupid argument, see stupid argument? If I would define a stupid argument, uh, it's when that argument finds its basis in contradiction of the word of God. Godless chatter would be a dialogue where God and his truth are no longer welcome. Those are things to think about. Now, we may not have many specifics about what the actual teaching was, but I think the Holy Spirit is like, let me tell you the general character of the teaching. We don't have to go into their statement of faith, right? But he knows that we're smart enough to look at that list and say, okay, I get the general idea. When it's just uh, babbling nonsense that doesn't make any sense, I'm going to step back and not engage. Let me give you a contemporary example of what they were doing. It's very close to what was actually going on. These teachers loved genealogies from the Old Testament. In fact, they loved teaching out of the Old Testament. And there they were decoding things, Hebrew words, and they were counting syllables, and they were coming up with a message that was beyond what the plain Hebrew was saying. But they were coming up with mysteries and those kinds of things. Well, that's very similar to something that is very popular today in Hollywood, of all places, called Kabbalah. Kabbalah is a cult that, that came from Judaism. And uh, lots of Hollywood celebs go for it, all right? But l- let me, <laughs> that chart, too bad it's so small. That's the largest one I could find. You cannot believe the gibberish on, on there. All the Hebrew words, he, words from the Bible, words from Christianity, all kinds of sayings and numbers and meanings. And this is what we're talking about, foolish arguments and godless chatter. This is the kind of thing he says, don't, don't do it. Don't, don't go in the wheel. You'll, you can get very dizzy. <laughs> You're going to get very dizzy. Do not do it. Okay, there's a place always as the Holy Spirit prompts Hey, listen, I can tell you about Jesus, but uh, once you start finding out they're not interested in Jesus, they don't want the word of God, they just want to spin you around the wheel, then the Lord says, get out, disengage. Do not put your time and trouble in there. Go downtown, pass out a Bible, go to a soup kitchen, feed a hungry person, but do not go to the wheel of death (laughs) because you're going to be spinning out of control Um, Let me give you the definition of Kabbalah just to show you what I'm talking about. I mean, we don't even have to do that. It's there. (sighs) Yes, you should probably leave it like that so we can't read it. (laughs) The student of Kabbalah is made aware of the personal as well as the collective rectification process and is encouraged to play an active part in it. Kabbalah is a set of esoteric cryptic teachings meant to explain the relationship between an unchanging, eternal, and mysterious end soft, the endless, and the mortal and the finite universe of God's creation. By decoding every letter, word, number, and accent of the Hebrew scripture, seekers can attain to spiritual realization. What does that mean? (laughs) 
I wanted to try to understand. Okay, I want to understand what it is, right? And I read it three times, and then I started looking up the big words in it, you know, and it still didn't make any sense. The Holy Spirit says, avoid them. Disengage. Do not dive into that. You could get hurt. (laughs) Your brain could get hurt there. My brain is hurt right now. That explains a lot. Listen, I love the last sentence. By decoding, decoding. (laughs) The Hebrew is there telling you something in plain Hebrew, right? But we're not going to read that. We're going to decode the syllables and find a different message than what the words are actually telling you. I'm speechless. Do you know how infrequently that happens I'm not afraid of this catching some of you but I am afraid of the emergent church which I call the new age gospel and here's a, here's a definition of the emergent church participants seek this is Wikipedia and I love Wikipedia for, the, for being so clear because it, it totally outs them completely. Participants seek to live their faith in what they believe is postmodern society, which means, okay, the world's grown up. Let's do religion and the gospel and the Bible the mature way, the modern way, okay? <laughs> what those involved in the conversation mostly agree on is their disillusionment with the organized church and their support for the deconstruction. That means to pull apart of the modern Christian worship, modern evangelism, and the nature of modern Christian community. Oh, they want to take this apart. They want to take what I do apart. They do not want to evangelize the way that we evangelize by offering the gospel, asking somebody to repent of their sins or they're going to wind up perishing. That's all different. We're to reimagine, to rethink, and so, so that the emergent church really uh, is a good way of, of thinking what godless chatter is. If God is telling you and equipped you to engage some of these folks, because what's up for grabs here? <laughs> Sanctity of marriage, it's up for grabs. What is hell? It's up for grabs with them. All right, what is heaven? It's up for your definition, right? All of, what is a cell phone? (laughs) A demonic device. (laughs) Let me just answer that. All right, moving on. So now, now some clarity here. 16 through 18, please. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them, Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have wandered away from the truth, they say the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. Now, ask Hymenaeus and Philetus, what, what is up with you guys? What are you doing? You worked with the Apostle Paul. You were on the Christian team. You were, you were raised up at the church of Ephesus. What on earth are you doing? You're destroying people's faith. And here's what they say. Hand them a microphone. 
We're not destroying anybody's faith. We're thinking, okay? We're, we're, we're thinking outside of the box. We're trailblazers. We're bringing people into a new understanding, fresh grace. We're being more inclusive, and we're putting a happier face on the gospel. We're bringing more people in. We're setting more people free. We're talking about grace and love and mercy and forgiveness. That's who we are, okay? They don't think they're destroying faith. They don't think they're being divisive. They don't think they're hurting anybody. They believe they're helpers. They believe they're heroes. But the Bible calls them heretics, you see? And so this is why it's all so dangerous, and this is why we need to avoid godless chatter and make sure that we obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I like the way what uh, King James puts, how it puts uh, avoid godless chatter. It, it puts it this way, but shun profane and vain babblings. <laughs> I like that. That's very descriptive. Here's what a vain babbler is. When a guy thinks he's smarter than the Apostle Paul and more forgiving than our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a vain babbler. Here's David Guzik on this verse. But shun profane and vain babblings. This refers to anything that takes the focus off the gospel and God's word. These babblings are profane because they are unholy in contrast to the holiness of God's word. They are vain because even though people like to hear them, they don't have lasting value. He goes on to say, Man's opinions, man's teachings, man's opinion polls, man's stories, man's programs are all profane and vain babblings compared to the simple word of God. When these things become the focus of the message, that, especially in the pulpit, it will increase to more and more ungodliness. Now, in a rare move, we actually have a, a tenet of their false faith. They say the resurrection has already taken place. In other words, they say they take a future promise in the scriptures and they spiritualize it and say it already happened. That's called preterism. Preterism says there is no judgment to come. Christ will not appear in the sky. He's already come. The Antichrist was Nero. The destruction, the great tribulation happened at A.D. 70. Well, I find that hard to believe because Jesus said in Matthew 24 that the great tribulation would be so devastating that it was the most devastating thing to ever happen to planet Earth before that time and never again after that time and the Lord said if those days were not cut short no one there would not be one survivor on planet earth I don't think one million people who died in AD 70 in a one square mile constitute what Jesus was talking about so here's the deal here's what Hymenaeus and Philetus do They spiritualize, they allegorize. Any uh, truth that they want to do away with, you can just erase it by by saying it's an allegory. Hell is an allegory. Uh, Rob Bell teaches that heaven and hell are right now. 
that you're making choices, and that when you come to faith, you have a resurrection already. And this is exactly what they're saying. There's no future judgment. There's no bodily resurrection. There's nothing there. And that's why people said, hey, why continue with this Christian faith? And he, they destroyed the faith of, of some because of their false teaching about the resurrection. Look, if there's no resurrection, if Jesus Christ was not resurrected and he was resurrected in bodily form, he said, touch me. Look at me. I'm eating fish. He put it in his mouth and going, ah, look, I swallowed it. I ate fish. Okay, I'm not a ghost. I'm not a spirit. I had a bodily resurrection. If Christ did not resurrect, if there is no resurrection and it's already happened, wow, well, then we're still in our sins. And so it was pretty important. And so uh, it's pretty sad when they say, uh, when we find out exactly what they were teaching. Uh, well, here's what it says. It says, as crazy as that sounds, Timothy, people are going after it and the teaching is very popular and it spreads fast. They have a captive audience and it spreads fast like gangrene. It spreads like a bad infection. This is why you're not supposed to be stirring it up and allowing it to metastasize or to get too close to it because it's infectious. It's contagious. Those who get too close get sick from it. He said it'll spread in your congregation and you'll have this flesh-eating bacteria called false teaching. Spiritual pathogens that go from one contaminated person to the next contaminated person because they got too close. That's why he keeps saying, avoid, 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 avoid. Why? You're going to get sick like them. Not if you avoid. There's a picture of people trying to help an Ebola victim. The guy in the middle, he got too close. He got too close to somebody who had it. He was careless. He wasn't thinking. Touched something, rubbed his eye. Now it's going to die. He wasn't avoiding. He didn't discern the danger. He got too close, and by being close, he ingested the spiritual pathogen and now people around him are smart we got to avoid that we want to help you but we also got to know that I have to be very very careful not to catch what you have that's the heartbeat behind the Holy Spirit saying use discernment use discernment So keep reminding them of these things here. We're almost done. So as we wrap up our thoughts, now instead of getting entangled with these divisive men, with their foolish and dangerous ideas, instead of uh, spreading a, a, a contorted version of the gospel, we have an obligation. Timothy, what's that? Verse 15, love it. Do your best to present yourself to God as One approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. And so I would paraphrase that. Timothy, you know, uh, 
con- in contrast to who these false teachers are, you be a straight shooter. Now, to call somebody a straight shooter is a compliment. You know, I looked it up in Webster's. It says, a straight shooter is a thoroughly upright and straightforward person, trustworthy to speak the truth in love. Now, I love in Greek when it says correctly handles the word of truth. Uh, The King James has rightly dividing is closer to the Greek idiom. The Greek idiom means correctly handle. It means to cut a straight line. And here's what the metaphor is all about. It was used for a carpenter cutting a straight board or a mason cutting a stone just perfectly right. It had to be perfectly straight so that stone would fit its place. Or a farmer plowing a straight furrow. The emphasis was the importance of the accuracy of that line being straight, exactly straight. A seamstress sewing a straight hem or a straight line. A doctor's scalpel uh, needing a straight and a precise path. Uh, somebody charting a course in the sea, a straight course. All of these, to give you the idea, how does that have to do with me being a laborer, God looking at me as a laborer with the message, and he wants me to cut a straight line. He's saying orthodoxy. Ortho means straight. Doxy means belief or thinking. He says, I want you to take my message and what comes out of your mouth has to be straight in line. No going a little this way, no going a little this way, no going around in circles, no little exits, no hemming and hawing, zigzagging, meandering, none of that. I want you to take the gospel as it's been entrusted to you once and for all and I want you to straight yes and no. Here it is in love with sensitivity intact and great grace. But that's what I want you to do. The word equivocate, that's what we get with the false teachers. Equivocate means to use unclear language, especially to deceive or mislead. Now, I've got a clip of Joel Osteen, and Larry King is asking him point-blank questions about going to hell. Will I go to hell if I believe this? And he equivocated. And then a caller called in to, to ask Joel, why did you equivocate? And then he answers by equivocating more. All right? So now it's interesting because he'll say all the right words. And then he'll say, he'll say yes, no, maybe so. It all depends. Yes, no. Okay? So watch. Here's what the Bible teaches, and I want to put my faith in 
uh, you know, in Christ. And, and I just, I think it's wrong when we go around saying, you know, you're not going, you're not going, you're not going, because it's not exactly my way. I'm just, I'm not going to be your way. I believe my way. I believe my way with all my heart. That the sinner doesn't share it. Well, it's wrong. Yeah. Not, I, I well, I don't know if I look at it like that. <laughs> I would present my way, but I'm just going to let God be the judge of that. You know, I don't know. What what do you mean you don't know? What do you mean you don't know? He's asking you a, a very simple question. Can I get to heaven without Jesus? I don't know. I don't know. Well, then everybody else who doesn't agree with the gospel's wrong. Well, I wouldn't put it that way. Well, what other way would you put it? That is called hemming and hawing. I have a definition. I looked it up because I, was, I wrote it down and I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> Here's what to hem and haw means. To pause a lot to avoid saying something meaningful. <laughs> Zigzagging. Oh, listen, Larry. Listen. Listen, Joel. Your I don't know got you out of the fire. But it pushed Larry and those listening closer to the fire. We're supposed to take the heat. We're supposed to cut straight, a straight line. And then even if that means we're going to be unpopular or we're going to take some heat, but Paul says, I take that heat for the sake of those who are getting saved. That's our job. Endure the opposition. Endure the heat. Come out and say it. And so they're going to write you up tomorrow. They're going to write you up as a hateful, narrow-minded bigot. You know, you know what? You're, all you're doing is saying, this is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus said. The Bible says, the Bible says, the Billy Graham, the Bible says. And then you leave it there. It's not about what Joel thinks or Ross thinks or Calvary Chapel thinks. It's a, what does the Bible say? And Larry wants to know a straight answer. I want to know, am I in trouble? And he said, yes, no, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yes, Larry, you're in trouble. Because the Bible says in John three thirty six, he who has the son has life. He who does not have the son, he who rejects the son does not have life, but the wrath of God abides on them. That, that's just straight. That's the way it is. They're going to ask you a lot of questions. Give them straight answers because he says, do your best to be diligent to present yourself to God who's going to come and check your lines. Part of what is going to happen to you and to me when we stand before the Lord. He's going to check our work, our lives, and the lines. Were they straight? Our lives in compliance to God's commands and purposes for us? And the words, the entrusted message he gave you. Did you meander? Did you hem and haw? Did you say, yeah, no, maybe, yeah, well, you know. Did you do that? When somebody's eternal soul is on the line, he's going to measure the line that is coming out of your workplace for accuracy. And his word is the divine level, not what the world wants to hear. 
But what God wants to tell them, this is the way to be saved. God became a man. He endured the cross to reconcile us. He was the sinless one. He didn't have a father. God came through the womb of a woman and became a human being and laid down his life. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, dear caller. Not light. She said light. I don't know if you caught that. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's his word. Well, what are you talking about? What about them? What about this way? What about that way? What about it? Ask Jesus. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. This isn't my idea, but we get the heat anyway. Let me close with a couple illustrations about how important it is uh, to work with a straight line so that you won't be ashamed when God takes out the measuring tape. My wife is a bridal seamstress. She's made wedding gowns for 30 years. And uh, every all her friends know about that. And she got a phone call. We were living in L.A. She got a phone call from Sacramento. The day before this gal's wedding, she had a, a woman make her dress for her, her, bri- her bridal gown. She's weeping on the phone saying, the seamstress sewed the side panels to the front and the front panels on the side. I got one day. Barb says, take apart the dress. I'm getting on a flight. I'll fix it for you. So Barb flew up. She was sewing when she could hear the music in the sanctuary. (laughs) She's in the back sewing one last seam. She turns around, two thumbs up. The girl's a joy, beautiful dress when you get the, the panels on the right side, right? And she goes down the aisle to a happy marriage. That woman had no business having a sewing machine. (laughs) You call yourself a, listen, I'm going somewhere with this. You call yourself a seamstress and you don't know the difference between side panels and front panels. Even I know that. (laughs) I would look at it and go, what's wrong with your dress? just an honest mistake this is her most important day what are you talking about an honest mistake well I don't know what I was thinking whatever the lines have been measured and now you're humiliated because you represented yourself as a qualified seamstress who could sew straight lines and let me tell you you didn't do a good job how about when you as a Christian you zigzag around like Larry. No, yes, maybe. I don't know. Oh, don't hurt me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the scaredy pants gospel. <laughs> so you, you, you do... Uh, sorry. <laughs> you, you do this, right? You're z- zipping around. And now Larry goes out. And Larry has a heart attack because he fell asleep that night and thinking, I'm okay. He said, God looks at my heart. I'm good. God knows. He said, I asked a preacher. And the buttons of his soul pop open. I'll give you a lighter note. When I was in sixth grade, I was asked to cut somebody's lawn across the street. The neighbor there in 
Westwood, Massachusetts. She had the biggest yard I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so not only did I have to mow the lawn, I had to fertilize it too. Well, you know, with a machine and put the fertilizer in there and do the thing. Well, it was a hot summer day. I cut the lawn in nice straight lines and it looked great. And then I wanted to go home. There was something good on TV. I was tired, you know, and so I got the fertilizer. It's like, oh, I noticed that you can't tell where the fertilizer is going. You can't see it, right? So I just thought, nobody's looking over here. And so I took a few shortcuts, okay? You know, I did a little circle over here, a little, I might have done an RR somewhere, you know, for my name. I was just having fun, you know? You know, who cares? And I'm done, and woof, phew. And so she goes, oh, thank you very much, as you paid me. Two weeks later, I go over to the Freiburger's house. I look out the kitchen window, and I go... What happened to your lawn? Oh, your lawn. What happened to your lawn? And Elena Freiberger looks at me and she goes, I know. I didn't want to say anything, but I had a neighbor boy who I entrusted to fertilize my lawn. And apparently, he didn't keep the lines straight. You can't tell. Now, nobody knows anything in this room. It's invisible. But time's coming. And those things are going to be made evident. And on that great day, we're going to see who kept the lines. And who would dilly down, going, cutting corn, doing, going over here, and then putting your little initials on the end. <laughs> we're going to see that. He says, Timothy. You're working unto God and you're going to work in such a way now that the line gets laid down nice and straight as a workman so that you don't be ashamed of the work that you've done by the grace of God, the power of his spirit. And you have the word of God right there, the word of truth. Cut a straight path. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word. It's just alive and it just uh, touches our hearts and opens our understanding and convicts us and affirms us and comforts us, lets us know we're on the right path. It, though it's hard, we're on the right path. So give us the discernment we need to obey your, your instructions to, to not get entangled, but to be useful and productive as you lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Closing song. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvertherock.org.